Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number five in this incredible series that answers the question, is the law bad? I want to jump right into this because we've got so much we want to get into today. John 5, 37, which we've actually quoted several times already in this series, uh, Jesus says this. He says, the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. But you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent him, you do not believe. Now, this is this is just such a powerful passage of scripture. But one of the things you want to realize several times throughout Jesus' life and ministry, he made reference that you had to have witnesses to validate who you were. You had to have witnesses to prove that you were telling the truth. Well, his witness primarily was the Father. Of course, he had the witness of the words that he taught. They all were in harmony with what the Father taught. He had all the miracles that were all in harmony with the character and the nature of God. But he had the personal testimony of God. And like I mentioned in a previous message, you know, not everybody was there when Jesus was baptized and the Father spoke from heaven and said, you are my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. Not everybody uh, heard the voice of God when, he lay, when, he, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. They heard what they thought was thunder. But Jesus still said, even though you hadn't heard his voice and you haven't seen him, he testifies of me. Well, what do you mean he testifies? How is he testifying to Jesus? Well, he is testifying to Jesus through every single word that he has ever spoken. And Jesus is saying that the great failure on the part of these people that are that are attacking him, that are accusing him, is that when they read the scriptures, which would be which would be all about creation, it'd be about all about Abraham, it'd be all about Moses and the law. It would it would provide all the teachings about God. It would provide the history books, the prophetic books. In other words, everything we call the Old Testament, everything in the Word of God, testified about Jesus on every single page. And the problem is, when he showed up in the flesh, they had so uh, distorted in their own minds their interpretation of those scriptures that even though all of those scriptures were about him, they could not see it. And we talked about this in the very first message in this series when we talked about looking beyond the veil, where Moses talked about the fact that, that to this very day when the children of Israel read any of Moses' writings or teachings, uh, they have a veil over their minds, and they don't see it as God intended it. And he doesn't say that the problem is that the law is bad. He says that the problem is this veil that you have over your eyes, which distorts your perception of the Word of God. And he says, when you turn to Christ, now many people would say, well, well say if you get born again, then, then all that goes away. Well, yes and no. Legally, it goes away. Legally, you are set free from all of your previous prejudices, but you may not choose to 
uh, walk in newness of life. You may not choose to renew your mind. You may choose to hold on to the teachings or the, the way your family believes about God or the way your church believes about God or the way your favorite preacher teaches about God instead of going to the Word of God for yourself, reading it, and letting the Holy Spirit become your teacher. So, you know, one of the questions we have to ask is this. Why is there even an Old and a New Testament? Well, the Old Testament is God's witness of who Jesus is. Man, we could spend a, a whole series on God providing a, an absolute witness. All in nature, in uh, the law, and the prophets, and everything that God has ever done, anybody that's willing to see it will see not just that there is a creator, not just that we have intelligent design, but they will see the gospel message written in everything that exists in this realm. So, so the Old Testament is God's witness of who he is and is his witness and his testimony of who Jesus is. Well, so the next question we have to ask is this. Well, why did God even give the law if it's so bad? Well, evidently, it's not so bad. Evidently, that's something that we came up with. In fact, the law is a tutor, according to the Apostle Paul, that actually will bring a person to the great of the place of grace. Look at it in the book of Galatians and see. And there's so much that we don't understand about the tutor and about becoming sons and heirs of God that relates to the law, but it doesn't bring us under the law. It never makes the law a righteousness. We're never looking to the law to give us something that only Jesus can give us. The law is not a substitute for Jesus. So all of the laws, all the rituals, all the ceremonies, I mean, stop and think about it. The every piece of the tabernacle, every utensil that was used in the service of the tabernacle, every uh, sacrifice, uh, all of these things were what the Bible calls types and shadows. And types and shadows are where God uses something that people can understand to show them the eventual reality that will come. So, so that they can see it and grasp it and be ready for it before it happens. So they were, all of these things, everything in the, in the Old Testament was a type and a shadow of a greater reality. Remember when, when Moses built uh, the tabernacle, one of the things God said to him, be sure and follow the pattern of the one that you saw. You see, there's a tabernacle in heaven. The tabernacle that was built here on earth was a copy of the, of the one that exists in heaven. Now, the one that exists in heaven was the real one. This one here on planet Earth was a type. It was a shadow. It was something to help us understand the things of God. And so, so all of these types and shadows, they existed uh, to provide for us a greater reality uh, of what we really have in Jesus, of what God's going to be doing for us, all through eternity, uh, his eternal plan, and, and to understand him and understand how to walk with him. That, that's, that's so incredible. All the things that we can know about God, how to always have how victory, they're all provided for us, but we don't pay any attention to them because we have been brainwashed to believe that, that everything about the law is, is, uh, is over. Don't read it. Don't, you don't need to understand. There's no value to it. 
and, and really we're that way about the prophets. We were that way about all of the books of the Old Testament. And really, honestly, we're getting to be that way even about the about the books of the New Testament. Isaiah 53, which is considered the pivotal point of the entire word of God. As a matter of fact, many uh, there are many sects of Judaism that don't accept Isaiah 53 because it does not fit into their narrative of who they want the Christ, the Messiah, to be. But Isaiah 53, and that whole chapter is all about what Jesus did on the cross. And that, I tell you, that's one of those chapters you should, you should almost have every word of it memorized. But he, he starts that chapter by saying, who has believed our report and to whom? Has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Well, I'll tell you this. The arm of the Lord is revealed to those who first and foremost believe his report. If we don't believe his report, he can't take us any farther than that. And so when we're looking at everything in the Old Testament, it is a type and a shadow to, to present God's report about the Messiah, whose salvation, whose crucifixion, who whose death, burial, and resurrection was determined before the foundations of the world. You know, uh, God, as I've said so many times, God desperately seeks to make himself known. All of the pagan gods hid behind smoke and mysteries and, and covered up their, their, their true intentions. God has said, if you're going to live by faith, that means you got to know something before you can trust it. You got to know me before you can trust it. You got to know my promises before you can trust them. And so God has done every single thing to make sure we can know Him. Now the whole the whole system that God used to bring us to the place that we would know who Jesus is is everything that happened and everything that was recorded in all of the Old Testament, including the law, including the prophets, uh, including uh, the histories, everything. All of these things are there to teach us something. You know, in Hebrews uh, 10, by the way, it says the law having a shadow of good things to come, but not the very image of the things can never with those same sacrifices, which they offer year by year, make those who approach perfect. So a type, a shadow can never make anybody perfect, but that type or shadow can help us foresee, help us understand that which was coming that would be able to make us perfect. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 10, 6, it says, now these things, and so all of these things in the history of Israel, all of these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they did. Uh, down in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 10, it says, now all of these things happened for our examples. They were written for our admonition upon the ends of the ages. Uh, uh, excuse me. All, they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So you stop and think about it. We look at those scriptures and we think that all of those scriptures are for those people who lived at that time under the Old Testament, or under the law. But Paul says something totally different. He says all of those things were recorded for our benefit because the ends of the ages are coming on us, not on them. And we needed all this to understand who God was. Now, interesting thing, though, again, we're going back to that very, very first message in this series. And if you haven't listened to this entire series, you got you can go back and you can watch all of these free videos that we have here on, uh, on our website. Or if you want to take the deep dive, you can order the audio series 
I'll tell you, the audio series is a lot longer, a lot more detailed, gives you a lot more to, to develop in your own heart and your own life. So we try to provide everything we can. And when you purchase an audio series, when you purchase any products from us, this gives us resources to keep taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, which is what this ministry has always been about. In the book of Proverbs, it tells us something very interesting. It tells us that um, the condition of our heart over and over and over again throughout the book of Proverbs, it tells us that the condition of our heart really is what determines all of our boundaries, all of our limitations, how far we will expand our life or how small we will shrink our life down. It determines how we're going to perceive God, how we're going to perceive ourselves, how we're going to perceive the world around us. And the Word of God is so full of instructions and warnings about how to manage our heart. So in the book of Deuteronomy, I just want to make reference to this again. The book of Deuteronomy, which Jesus quoted more than he did any other book of the Bible, uh, is the book of the Torah that, that its main emphasis is not just the law and the commandments. Its main emphasis is the fact that all of these things that are being spoken have to be taken into your heart. And if you don't take them into your heart, then you, you don't get the benefits from it. And so in Proverbs 17, 20, it says something really interesting. It says, the New King James says it this way, he who has a deceitful heart finds no good. Um, well, some other translations say he who has a crooked heart finds no good. The words in the Hebrew language for um, upright or sometimes they're used in other ways, uh, we would translate upright as straight, and then we would some, sometimes define the word unrighteous based on how it's used as crooked. And so there, there is this, there is this uh, uh, idea that in our heart, our heart can be straight, our heart can be crooked. So some translation says, he who has a crooked heart finds no good. Now, and the reason they would use that word crooked is because it's talking about a heart that turns, that changes, that overturns, that ultimately perverts, and, and even turns against uh, something, uh, as opposed to the straight, which walks a straight and, and narrow line. And by the way, in the book of Jeremiah, it talks about the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Well, when you look at that in the original language, it actually says that the heart is covered with footprints. And so it's talking about the fact that, that our heart, which is the core of who we are, is the core of how we perceive God, how we perceive ourselves. It's the core of faith and love and hatred. In other words, everything that affects our life comes out of our heart and as a consequence of the beliefs of our heart. And so uh, Jeremiah, many people read that, that passage in Jeremiah and just assume that everybody, everybody has, a, has the wicked messed up heart and the the truth is when we come to jesus you know we jesus quoted isaiah we, sometimes we have a broken heart sometimes we have a bruised heart sometimes we have a crooked heart sometimes we have a blind heart i mean there's all of these different diseases if you will that can afflict the heart but the one thing that happens when our heart is affected by whatever life is thrown at us uh is, is it affects our perception it, it affects our internal perception of God, our internal perception of ourselves, and our internal perception of other people. But you notice that this scripture brings something out that's very interesting. It says that this crooked heart, and you could, you could, I don't think it would be wrong to say that this could apply to a broken heart. 
This could apply to a heart that's covered with footprints, has been walked on all of his life. This could apply to a blind heart. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that this could be applied. But it's saying that this person whose heart is in, is in this kind of shape, they cannot find good. Now, I'm telling you, I have met with people who it didn't matter what scriptures they read. It didn't matter what you shared with them. It didn't matter what testimonies they heard. They were convinced that life could not be good for them. They could not see God as caring that much about them. And I'll tell you, it's the saddest thing. You cannot help a person like that. You know, the, uh, the Bible says that to the pure, all things are pure. To the evil, all things are evil. And so you start realizing, if my heart's pure, I'm going to look out in the world, and I'm going to find the pure. I'm always going to be able to find it. If my, heart's, uh, if my heart is evil, I'm always going to find the evil. In other words, whatever I have in my heart is going to determine what I'm going to look for and what I'm going to see in the world. And so, and by the way, this, this gets us into a concept that, that uh, uh, you rarely hear these words anymore, but I mentioned them in, a, in one of the previous messages. You know, we all have hermeneutics. And hermeneutics is the basis from which we interpret Scripture. And it's what I call the setting of the sail. In other words, once you have your sail set, the way that the wind is blowing is not going to determine, it's not going to be the only determining factor of, of which way your boat is going to go. There's going to be two other determining factors. One determining factor is the setting of your sail. The setting of your sail uh, changes your direction. Even the wind may be blowing in one direction, you can go another direction. And then the second thing is the rudder. And the Bible talks about all these things. But uh, but whatever your general concept of God is, this is going to be what you are going to find, what you're going to see in the Scripture. And if God is not good and only good in your, in your understanding of the Scripture, if that's not who you believe God is, then, uh, then you are not going to find God throughout the Scriptures. This is, you know, this is why it's so important that we be able to find Jesus in every single scripture. The, the Jews, by the time Jesus had appeared on the scene, was so burdened, they were so burdened down with law and legalism. When I say law, I'm talking about legalism, not, not the law of Moses. The law of Moses had been so twisted and their hearts had been so destroyed by religion that the real truth is they they not only could they not see the law, but so many of them couldn't even recognize Jesus every time he fulfilled these prophecies. So, so the starting place, and I've said this before, the starting place of faith is not whether or not you what you believe about a particular promise. The starting place of faith is what you believe about the God who made that promise. God's word is only as good as our understanding of his character. And so when we believe that God is good and only good, and we believe what Jesus has done through his death, burial, and resurrection, we can read all the blessings and all the curses of the law. We'll never get condemned by the curses. As a matter of fact, we'll, we'll, we'll break out into praise and worship, recognizing what Jesus has done when he delivered us from the curses. And we can enter into sharing what he has and recognize it's good for us because our heart can find good. So the way we interpret scripture is always an expression of what we believe about God, uh, which that our, means our hermeneutics dictate how we read, understand, and interpret the Word of God. You know, it's kind of interesting, too. In Bible college, you go through this class called homiletics, 
Well, and we've taken the, the word homiletics and basically re, kind of reduced it down to just learning how to preach. Well, actually, homiletics has more to do with application. Homiletics and preaching should be about the application of the Word of God, not trying to come up with a revelation of the depth of the Word of God. It's teaching people how to apply the Word of God and stay in faith and grace. So in a certain sense, what we will allow God to do or to say to us is actually determined before we pick up our Bible, before we read the first word. Unless we have a humble, teachable, repentant heart, we will always be dictating the interpretation and the application of the Word of God. Man, I'm going to scoot through a long list here, and I, I could preach a sermon on everything that I've got in here, but I just want to show you some of the ways that the law is good. Number one, we would not have known what we have in Jesus if it hadn't been for the law. I'm just going to scoot through these. I'm not going to, I'm not going to comment much about them. We would not have known the promises that are ours if we had not had the law. We would not know the curses from which we have been delivered if we had not known the law. And interestingly, the law of Moses did more to change the course of world history in a positive way than anything that has ever been written, ever been codified in the entire world, not only up until that time, but even up until this very time. I'll tell you, when you go through the law and you look at, you look at the fact that the law gave freedom to women and slaves, can you imagine the Jews were the first country in the entire world that had to treat their their slaves uh, in uh, in ways that were almost equal to their family. Now you might say immediately, well, why do they even have slaves? Well, first of all, most of the time, the word slave that you will find uh, when it's referring to what's happened in Israel has to do with people who had debts, and most of them chose. They weren't forced into it. Some of them were, but they either had to pay their debts or they had to repay their debts by working it off. And so it's it's more about uh, being an indentured servant than it is really about being a slave. But they had to have days off. They had to be treated well. They couldn't be, and they worked off all that they owed to. They couldn't be sent away empty-handed. So, so, uh, uh, and it established the most, really the most compassionate judicial system in the world that is more equitable than anything that the world has ever seen. The problem is people just didn't uh, carry it out the way God told them to carry it out. It brought about an economic system that protected the poor and the destitute in ways that were never heard of, not to mention the role that the law has played in medical breakthroughs. You, you just, I, I'll never forget doing my undergraduate work, taking a course where we were, where we looked at all the places where there were phenomenal medical breakthroughs because doctors came in that just did simple things like washing their hands after they touched a dead body and and many of these many of these what we call the dietary laws and they reversed plagues that were wiping out the entire world also it was the basis of actual scientific pursuits because up until up until the law of Moses most science was based on occult religious uh, uh superstitions and so since the law of Moses forbade occultal practices that had dominated and suppressed early scientific thought for the first time, we could look at the universe and look at the world around us in a different way. The law revealed the righteousness of God 
was impossible for anyone and point it to our need for a savior. This is a part of it being a tutor for us. It, it, it actually defines every aspect of morality, ethics, and justice. Yet we have been seduced into believing that it was all about fear and ritualism. Where did we get that? I'll tell you where we got it. It was taught to the Jews. It was passed down. It was taught to the early church. That was passed down. And really, you know, the I'm not talking about the apostolic church. I'm talking about I'm talking about the medieval church. Medieval church took this this principle of legalism and basically did the same thing that the Pharisees and Sadducees and all those groups did. They just used this not as a way to bring something good to people's lives, but as a way to control people, a way to get all the resources of planet Earth. But most important is the testimony that it provides about every aspect of Jesus' life, ministry, death, burial, and resurrection. And I'm telling you, people who know what we call the Old Testament, including the law, uh, as long as they don't turn into legalism, have insights into who Jesus were that are absolute and that are solid and that that supersede all the goofy pop theology that uh, that that we hear today. So everything God told us to do in relations to other people, everything He told us to do in managing about managing money, all of this He did because He is good and He wanted us to have this incredible, incredible life. So God has witnessed and testified as to who Jesus was, and He has given us these didactic teachings, if you will, so that we could look at it and renew our minds with these things. We could understand what was the will of God. And then later on, when grace came and God wrote his law with his intentions on our heart, now for the first time, we could harmonize every part of our being. And let me point out, the heart has two aspects to it. It's part spirit, it's part soul. God wrote the law on the spirit aspect of our heart. We then have to choose to renew our mind on the on the more part of our mind that relates to the soul, so that now what God is saying within us and the way that we think harmonizes, and we can see him as he is, we can see Jesus as he is, we can see ourselves who we are, and we can read every single word that God has ever written and never, 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 never come under condemnation. So, man, I, I hope you got all that what I got out of it. I love the idea that we have a that God's testimony and that, that the, God's picture of who Jesus is, is on every single page. Remember in, in, in Psalms 40, and it was quoted again over in, over in the book of Hebrews, you know, Jesus at one point said, you know, lo, I'm in the, I'm in the volume of the book. In other words, every word that's in everything that God has ever recorded is about me. Man, I want to be able to pick up the Bible. I want to find Jesus in every, on every page. I want to find Jesus in every verse. I want everything to point me to him. I don't want the law, when I read the law, to point me to some type of, of carnal effort to do everything right. I want it to point me to understanding the Holy Spirit can bring this kind of fruit in me, and I can be a peacemaker in this earth. All right, guys, hope you enjoyed this. I'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers Podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. 
Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.